0: As you can see, we're starting a new campaign today called Be Rich. And if you're a guest today or if you're someone who's just kind of checking this church thing out and you're not even sure what you believe about Jesus and salvation and God and the Bible, I want you to relax because I know that whenever you see that Be Rich, Do More, Give More, your first thought may be, oh, here's another one of those churches that's after my money. That's not who we are. I can tell you as a pastor of this church for 24 years, that's not who we are. But it's a good day that you've chosen to come because while we're not after your money, you're going to see a glimpse of why we give ours to help people in need. $200,000 we will send every year to missionaries all over the world who are helping boys and girls, who are helping men and women, who are fighting poverty, who are sharing the gospel. But we're also a church that blesses our own community with the love of God in practical and tangible ways. We help people every Friday night through Celebrate Recovery. We have an academy that is a ministry of our church that helps boys and girls as they begin their educational careers. We have grief share for people who are struggling to deal with the grief of losing a loved one. We have a counseling center and we have all sorts of support groups for men and women. We are a church that visits 10 nursing homes in this city every week to teach the word of God, to comfort those who are not able to be with us anymore. I could go on and on and on and tell you why we do what we do. And all of that and more is made possible by the generosity of our people. Folks, you are an awesome people. You're doing a lot of good in the name of Jesus, and I want to thank you for that. So if you're a guest here today, you're not a Christian, you're going to get a glimpse of why we do what we do, and you're going to hear me if you are a member of our church or if you have bought in to the mission of our church to help people in any walk of life to just reach higher to be what God's called them to be by helping people love God and love others and serve the world, then this is going to be a challenge for you for us to not rest on what we've done in the past but to say, God, we want to do even more right here in our own neighborhood, in our own community, right here in Arlington. And so this this campaign is for those of you who are rich. So we're calling it How to Be Rich. And and the sermon title today is Congratulations. And you know why it's called that? Because all of you are rich. (laughs) Did you not know that you, you are rich? Now, whenever you hear us talk about, you know, congratulations that you are rich, where does this come from? Where does the title of this series, Be Rich, come from? It actually comes from the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a young pastor named Timothy, and he was giving Timothy some instructions on how to lead his own congregation in the first century. And so we get to read that ancient letter. We call it 1 Timothy chapter 6. And one of those verses... Paul told Timothy, you need to command those in your congregation who are rich in this present world. And so that's where we get the idea of this campaign, be rich. He's talking to rich people. So how would you define rich? Most of us would define rich as rich is the person who has more than me. (laughs) I'm not rich. Rich is the person who has more than me. So typically, when we think about rich people, we don't say, woo that's me. We think, oh, that's not me. That's somebody else. See that guy with that nice car? He's rich. See that person who lives in that big home? They're rich. See those people with more money in their bank account than I have? They are rich. But listen, let's be honest for a moment. Compared to some people, many of us are rich. Whenever some people define rich as being The person who has more than they have, you're the person who has more they're thinking of. You are the rich person that they say, oh, I wish I was where they are. So you don't feel rich, but somebody looks at you and says, they're rich. In fact, if you have ever gone outside of the United States to most places in the world, you will discover that compared to most people, Many of us are rich in this present world. I had already gone to Bolivia on a mission trip before and had gone to Brazil on a mission trip before, but nothing prepared me for what I experienced in Haiti. As you know, our church, along with several other churches, helps own and operate an orphanage in Haiti. That orphanage had preceded the uh, devastating earthquake uh, that hit Port-au-Prince and other areas, But we really were inundated in the orphanage after that earthquake. And so some of us have gone to Haiti uh, to help at the cabaret uh, mission where we have about 50 children who we care for. Since then, we've also started two churches in that community, one there at the orphanage and one up on a mountaintop. We've also started two schools, one there at the orphanage and another up closer on that other mountain. Hundreds of boys and girls from those communities come to our school that we help feed them, clothe them, give them their school uniforms, their supplies. Some of us have actually physically helped build the buildings. We have poured the concrete. Tom, Bob, others of you. How many of you have gone to that orphanage with me in Haiti and others in Haiti? Several of you. But nothing prepared me for that first time to Haiti. We're upstairs in the the, the, uh, living quarters for the teams that come. And we live with the missionaries up there. And we cook our own food there. And, And then down below us are where the children live. And the staff down there take care of them and feed them. And every morning they wake you up by singing at the break of dawn beautiful praise songs. With the greatest joy you've ever heard in your life. It sounds angelic, to hear those boys and girls singing praises to God. I remember laying in my bunk that first morning, hearing them sing, thinking, I don't sing like that. I don't sing with that kind of joy and praise. And they've lost everything as far as the world is concerned. Many of them lost their parents in that earthquake and were destitute. Some of them were abandoned on the side of the road because their families could not care for them. One little baby that was rescued by our orphanage was in the process of being buried by her father because he said I had no food, no way to care for her. And as far as he was concerned, she was this close to death because she was starving to death, rescued. And I came home in that first morning. I'm in my nice home with actual hot water. Not having to keep my mouth closed in the shower for fear of getting sick and I wept, and I realized I'm rich. So often I complain about what I don't have and what I wish I had, and then I realize, according to the majority of the people in this world, I am rich. And when they think of rich, they think of me, and they think of you, because compared to most people, many of us are rich in this present age. In fact, let me give you a statistic. If you make... $48,000 $48,000 or more a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you make 48000 or more, congratulations, you are rich. 99% of the rest of the world says there's a rich person walking right there. And I think if we think about this, the problem is wealth has some side effects. You see, wealth has side effects where rich people confuse being rich with feeling rich. We don't feel rich because we're always thinking about the person who has more than us. But we can learn that there's a difference between being rich, which according to statistics, most of us in this room are, if we make $48,000 or more a year, there's a difference between being rich and feeling rich. You know why we don't often feel rich is because of a thing called margin. Most of us don't have much margin between our income and our outgo. And when there's no margin, you don't feel rich anymore, right? You know when I felt the richest in my life? Tomorrow I felt the richest in my life when I was 16 years old working at Winn-Dixie as a bag boy making minimum wage. I don't know, it was like $3.15 an hour. But I lived with my parents, and I had no bills. And when I got my paycheck, it went into the bank, and I had no bills to pay with that. And then another paycheck and another paycheck, and back then they would let you receive a tip, take some lady's groceries out, she may give you a buck or two. I felt rich. My friends sometimes ask, do your parents give you an allowance on top of that? Yes, my parents allowed me to live in the home. They allowed me to eat their food. They allowed me to wear the clothes they bought. I have never felt so rich in my life. I had money that I just wondered, what am I going to do with this money? And so the moral of the story is this. If you want to feel rich, get a minimum wage job, move back in with your parents, (laughs) and you'll feel rich. (laughs) They won't let us. I've tried. They kicked me out, too. Now, some of you may not be laughing because you're saying, I have a minimum wage job, and I live with my parents. (laughs) But the problem is when we don't have margin between what comes in and what goes out, we don't feel rich. I'll give you a little test. If you complain at the Jaguar game that you paid eight bucks for a Coca-Cola, you're rich. (laughs) If you take a family of five to the movie theater to see the latest movie and you didn't have to use your credit card, you're rich. (laughs) If you've got more than one family vehicle in our church parking lot this morning, you're rich. If you have a car, you are rich. If you're going to go home today and and watch your favorite team, or maybe your least favorite team, play on a flat screen TV in an air-conditioned home, you're rich. If you go to lunch today and eat and get up and walk away from the table leaving food on that table, you are rich. Our problem is we weren't taught how to be rich because we don't keep the margin between what comes in and what goes out. In fact, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you is the next time Financial Peace University is offered here in our church, jump in. It'll teach you how to create margin in your life, and you'll start feeling rich. You see, the problem is that wealth has side effects. We confuse being rich with feeling rich. There's a second side effect, and that is rich people are plagued by discontentment. Rich people are always thinking, I'm not rich. If I had a little more, I would be rich. I watched some famous movie actress the other day talking about going and playing the lottery. And after she talked on the news, they said, oh, by the way, she has an estimated worth of $350 million. But for her, man, if I could just win that lottery, then I would arrive. You see, wealth is deceptive. If you think you're going to find satisfaction in wealth, then you'll you'll always say, I just need a little more, a little more, a little more. Paul recognized that when he instructed Timothy about how to help his church. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. If you want to gain, if you want to get rich, then marry godly living, a relationship with God, with contentment with who God is and what he's given you, you'll find great gain. And then he says in verse 7, For we brought nothing into the world, and we, can take, we cannot take anything out of the world. So he's saying there in that passage of Scripture that godliness with contentment, now that's gain, great gain. You want to get rich, get rich in godly living and being content with what God is doing for you in your life. And then he says, here's what we all know is true. You didn't bring a thing into this world. You came into this world naked, screaming, destitute, absolutely dependent upon your family. And by the way, you'll take nothing out of this world. I've done over 700 funerals in my ministry. I've yet to see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. And so don't put your hope and your faith and your... You're a source of satisfaction and contentment of the things of this world. Those things don't last. And the problem, another side effect of wealth, is the more you have, the more you want. The more you have, the more you want. I just I need a little bit more. Timothy, or Paul said to Timothy in verses eight through ten, verse eight, but if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. In other words, he says, if you give in to the love of money, you often compromise living for God and you'll compromise your morals. You'll compromise your convictions. You'll start looking at people and how you can use them to get what you want out of them. He says, a lot of people have ruined their lives by getting their priorities wrong. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, don't misquote this verse. I hear so many people misquote this verse. They'll say, well, you know that money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. Money is neither good nor evil. Money is neutral. It's what you do with it that makes the difference. And Paul is saying to Timothy, it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. When you love money rather than loving God, now money has become your idol. And that gets you into all kinds of trouble. He says, It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs, with many problems and troubles and trials. You see, rich people suffer from what we are going to call in this campaign the migration of hope. It's where we watch our hope go from being in God and God alone into the things of this world. Now, rather than trusting in God, and no matter what I have or don't have, my hope is in Him, we start hoping in our things. My happiness is in this thing. My peace is in this money. My satisfaction, my contentment, my security is found in all of these things. And that's a dangerous place to put your hope because nothing in this world will last forever. In fact, let me ask you this question. How much money or how much wealth would you need to secure your future against all imaginable eventualities? How much would it take where you could say, I finally arrived where I now have nothing to be afraid of, nothing to worry about, nothing can harm me? I don't know you, but I know the answer. The answer is more than you currently have. And no matter where you are, no matter how rich you get, you'll never have enough because those things can't satisfy you. Paul puts it this way in verse 17. He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Don't be prideful. You're not better than someone else because you have more than someone else. So, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Paul says, tell people, don't put their hope in the uncertainty of riches in this present age. If Paul were living today, he might say it this way. That stock market that giveth today can taketh away tomorrow. That company that you've worked for and invested in and has given you promotions and raises may find a point that it's cheaper to fire you. Well, we're just not going to call it that. We're just going to downsize. But really what we're doing is we're hiring somebody younger that we don't have to pay all those benefits to. And now, where's your hope? Where's your satisfaction? Those politicians that you thought were the answer today may not be in office tomorrow. Don't put your hope in those things. Put your hope in God. So if you want to be rich, and in fact, if you are rich, the question is, do you really know how to be rich? And Paul tells us how to be rich. Look at verse 18. They are to do good. He's talking to you and me because most of us are rich compared to most people in the world. So they are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. He says, you want to be rich? Here's an ambition to be rich towards. Nothing wrong with wanting finances. Nothing wrong with wanting to do better at your career. Nothing wrong with wanting to get out of debt and have nicer things. But your hope's not in all of that. Your hope is in God. And God says... You want to be rich? Be rich in good deeds. Be rich in generosity. Be rich in being willing to share. So this campaign for three weeks is going to help us make it easy to unleash generosity right here. Not Haiti, not Ecuador, not the Dominican Republic, not all those other places we love and go and serve, but right here, there are hurting people right here in our own community who need help. We're going to ask you to be rich in three ways. We're going to ask you to give money. Next Sunday, we're going to take up a love offering. Every penny you give will go to a ministry called Her Song. I'm going to show you a video about this. It's rescuing women from human trafficking right here in Jacksonville. And if God has ever burdened your pastor and given him a vision about anything, it is about this, that God has called us to partner with Her Song to help people right here in Arlington. We're going to also ask you to give some time, service, we're going to give you two opportunities to serve. One is on Sunday, November the 11th at 1 p.m. In fact, in your brochure, mark out where it says 11 a.m. and write in 1 p.m. Right after church, we're going to ask you, go home, put on some work clothes, meet us at Mayport Elementary School, and we're going to serve our community by putting out mulch and trimming hedges and power washing sidewalks and planting flowers so that when those teachers show up and those kids show up and those families show up on Monday morning, they're going to go, what in the world? This is awesome because that school does so much for kids in our community. We want to bless them. We'll give you hot dogs and hamburgers and, and water. I'm not going to pay for your coat. We'll give you bottles of water and <laughs> potato chips. You just come and help us and let's bless our community There's another way you can serve and give your time, and that is we're going to have boxes of blessing that we're going to pack with Thanksgiving meals. 200 boxes is our goal. And we just need you to take those supplies and pack those boxes because on the 18th, 200 of those boxes will be on the stage. And that's the third thing we're going to ask you to do, not only give money and time, but to give food. We're going to ask you to bring some canned goods and things that we're going to donate to Arlington Community Services. We want 2,000 pounds of food that we can donate To feed hungry people right here in our community. But those 200 boxes, they're going to be filled with Thanksgiving meals. You know what's going to happen to them? We're going to ask you to take a box and give it to somebody. Bless a family. Bless a widow. Bless a neighbor. Say, we love you. We just wanted to provide this for you. But next time, I need you to prepare for giving to her song. Watch this testimony about why God put this on my heart that we need you to give at least 39.95 over and above your regular giving to her song. Let's watch this together.
1: Well, my name is Rachel White and I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I am also married to Dr. Paul White, who's a local pastor here in Jacksonville and We have a lovely family of four children, and we're so excited to be in this community. I founded her song just after a season of searching. I had completed my master's in counseling, and I'd been working at Mayo Clinic and pain psychology, but just really praying to the Lord, knowing there was something more, and knowing that He had a calling on my life to really minister to women. Literally, the Lord stopped me in my tracks at a traffic light on Atlantic Boulevard. And I heard a story of a woman from Dallas, Texas, which Texas is my home state, and she just was talking about her human trafficking experience, and it really cut me to the heart, and and I heard the Holy Spirit really say to me in that moment, this is what I have for you. But I really began to just pray and seek the Lord and start looking into our community and see what is going on in Jacksonville with human trafficking, because... I, like many people, understood it was an international problem, but I didn't realize how close it was to home. Human trafficking is when a person or a group of persons compels another person to commit acts of sex or to labor to work um, against their will. So, globally, we know that human trafficking, according to the International Labor Organization, is exceeds $150 billion a year industry. And their estimations are that there are more than 40 million slaves in the world today. And what we know is that seven out of 10 of those are women. One in four are children. Nationally, we know that human trafficking is happening in all 50 states. And those states are ranked annually based on the reports of human trafficking. So Florida has consistently ranked third over the last several years out of 50 states in reports of human trafficking. So we know that statewide we have a serious problem. And Jacksonville ranks highly, I think, number 16 in the nation in human trafficking. And We know in 2017 that 66 victims were recovered, but law enforcement tells us they believe that's only 10% of the problem. And we literally are hearing hundreds and hundreds of women coming to us with stories of human trafficking in less than a year. And so in 2018, we've had 110 referrals for Freedom Cottage, which has five beds. We have uh, reached over 175 women in Duval County jails, just in one jail and they're asking us to expand to other jails. So we know that we're unearthing a horrible problem in our community and that's why we're here, try to make a difference. Our mission is to interrupt the cycle of human trafficking and then lead women to freedom. So we do that in three ways. The first way is through survivor care and that care happens in the context of that safe house that I mentioned, um, where women can receive comprehensive services because we're really focused on healing the whole person body mind and spirit and we saw that women could go over to one part of town for counseling and maybe they could find some temporary housing in another location but there were so many barriers to healing and so the safe house gives us that place which becomes like a hub for the wheel of everything that needs to happen for those women and and it gives them not just a space to heal but the time Um, One of the things we noticed was that women um, would go into programs, but the program maybe was six weeks long. And when you consider the depth of trauma that these women have experienced, a six-week program doesn't help anyone heal their life. It may give them a a tool, um, but we saw that women really needed that intentional time to heal. The second way that we um, complete our mission is through victim outreach. The local sheriff invited us into the jail in partnership with them to help identify victims that were hidden within the correctional system. So we created a paper and pencil assessment um, to pass out to the women that are incarcerated here in Duval County um, to try to uncover those that were victims of human trafficking and sure enough it's a big problem. We began doing a purpose group in the jail where the women that are identified as victims can come and participate in a 10 to 12 week class to begin to uh, seek out God's purpose for their life. And we've been very fruitful in that. We've been in the jails for three years, going on four now. And uh, we've literally reached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women with a message of hope opportunity. Thirdly, how we complete our mission is through community awareness. Um, We do that through many ways. Working with churches, um, just going out in the community and speaking to groups, to civic groups, uh, meeting our neighbors, um, going into businesses. I guess it was three years ago now that Duval County Public Schools came to us and asked us to create a curriculum for them to implement in the public school so that students could begin to learn and understand human trafficking. We're in our third year now of the curriculum with eighth grade health science students learning about human trafficking. Um, we also go in for the teacher in services and do training. And this year we're also expanding into high school. So God has obviously called us to this work and given us favor in, with the city officials and with local schools. And, and now we're speaking at college campuses. We're on, U, on the campus of UNF um, speaking in their public health Uh, degree plan classrooms for those students to learn about human trafficking and so we're just really about spreading the message so that people can really understand what is going on in our community. You know there's no particular demographic or profile of a human trafficking victim, you know, and it kind of goes, it's kind of counterintuitive for us because we want to figure it out and apply science to it and figure out, okay, what is that key thing? And really there's not. It boils down to a number of vulnerabilities that victims have in their life. It could be anything from poverty to childhood abuse, whether that's sexual abuse or, or just physical violence and verbal and emotional abuse, or maybe it's neglect. One lady in particular that I'm thinking of was Uh, grew up in poverty. She grew up in a a house without windows or doors. Her mom was a um, drug addict. Um, They had no power, no heat, um, no food in the fridge. Um, This young lady was trafficked by her parents, sold by her parents from the time she was five years old. So this child just grew up with such a warped sense about who she was and she was actually really smart and made it through school and graduated high school. Miraculously, um, tried to get away from her family, but they—they they just were so dysfunctional and just drained her of any resources that she had. And the depression she had grew so severe that she turned to alcohol. You know that addiction began to unravel everything in her life. Um, and some older men here in Jacksonville found her on the side of the road offered her a room in their home and said you will have your own room and you can just stay with us for a little while and what they ended up doing was using a drill to screw her door closed and they starved her and fed her alcohol. That's all they would give her. Um, One day they let her out and she ran out into the driveway and some neighbors saw her throwing up in the driveway and called an ambulance. And this is where awareness is so important because one of our local hospitals that we've worked with in the past gave us a call and said, hey, we have another victim, can you come see her? I'm super proud today uh, to say to you that she has completed um, a nursing program. Um, She is doing so well. She's been living at Freedom Cottage for a while. And, um, you know, she's, she's, I think she's going to make it. You know, and it's been really awesome just to be able to love her, you know, and and follow that pattern that Jesus followed of tending to people's physical needs. Over time, we can dig deeper into those deeper issues that need healing, but we also provide resources for women to go back to college. We support them in in seeking out that purpose that God has given them for their lives. And and we're there over time teaching them to manage their money, uh, you know, how to parent if they have children. We're helping them. reconcile with family members if that's healthy for them and we're doing so many things and so these ladies come into this program and what we see is them coming alive and it's really fun to watch it's really really great to watch after all those physical needs have been tended to that there's a this awakening and you know one of the things the Lord showed me early on in working with victims was that the trauma that they experience keeps them from hearing. And it keeps them afraid and it keeps them on the run. And so we're very intentional about addressing those effects of trauma. And once those things start to fall away, the women are able to hear the gospel. They're able to connect with a God who loves them and uh, receive salvation and have a clean heart and a fresh start in life. Women come into our home with scars on their faces, um, deformities um, in their, on their ears from being clubbed by their traffickers. Um, uh, Women that have been tasered and forced to get on their knees um, and beg for their life over and over and over. And when it's not good enough, they're tasered. We're talking about grotesque and egregious violence that these women have experienced. And so I feel like part of our responsibility at her song is, although this is a, a sickening subject and it's appalling, we need to lift up the cover off of this dark world because, you know, it's Satan's domain. And his goal is to destroy life as God created it. And we are really going into that darkness with a torch of love and light and hope And we're so excited about the results that we're seeing in our program with women going to school and, you know, getting certifications and entering the workforce and just healing those physical and emotional wounds that they have. I would say foremost, we believe in the power of prayer. And we know that we're carried along in our work by prayer because, as I mentioned, we're going into the darkness and there's a lot of it in this community. Um, We need the prayer support for our staff as they're working day in and day out. We need prayer support for the victims as they're healing. Uh, We need prayer support for um, our overall mission and that it would be successful in the community. Um, And then your financial gifts allow us to continue to do the work that we do. Um, It allows us to minister to and reach one more woman that day or five more women the next day. And so as we can keep the lights on and the beds open and the phone lines open, then we can reach one more woman.
0: Amen. I have stood in that home. It's in an undisclosed location in our community. I have met some of these women and they have said, we are so grateful. That somebody finally cares about us. And they're not looking to use us. They're trying to love us and help us. And when I, when I first met Rachel and I first heard about her song, I knew immediately in my heart, God wants Fort Caroline Baptist Church to partner with this ministry. We go all over the world and we will never apologize and we'll never stop. We go all over the world. We're going to go to our own neighborhood as well. We're going to help people right here. And so what I want you to do, you have your phone with you or you have your tablet or something? Go ahead and take it out and go to fcbc.life. I want you to see what we've got available so you'll learn more about what you've heard today. But uh, don't, I'll wait on you. Go ahead. Uh, you said we're not supposed to use our phone in church. Pastor gave you permission. fcbc.life. You can use any web browser, fcbc.life. And you'll notice there are multiple cards that you can click on as you scroll uh, sideways. But the first card that will pop up is called Be Rich. And so whenever you see that Be Rich card... Just click on it, and it will tell you more about what you've heard today. In fact, whenever you click on the Be Rich card, we'll probably take down the Wi-Fi now, uh, you'll, you'll see information about what this campaign is about. And there's a button where it says give. You can give now. You don't have to wait till next Sunday. I want to surprise Rachel and her song and the women of the, the uh, Freedom Cottage with a check for $8,000 to say we love you, and we want to bless you in the work that you're doing but in order to do that, I need at least 200 of us to give $39.95. Some of you can do more than that. Some of us can, as a husband, give $39.95, and a wife give $39.95, and maybe the three or four kids can pool their savings together and give. Others of you can give through your company as well. Get your company to make a corporate donation. But every single penny you give will go straight to her song, and we want to shock them. We want to surprise them and say, we want to bless you for what you're doing in our community. We are for Jacksonville. We are for Arlington and we are for you. You can also learn more about the Mayport Elementary School work day. You can learn more about the kind of foods that we need for Arlington Community Services. And you can learn more about those boxes of blessing that we're going to make available to you to give away to bless 200 families or 200 people in our community with a good Thanksgiving meal. And by the way, whether you're wanting to know more about Be Rich Or if you just want to take your next step in your spiritual journey, fcbc.life is a new tool that we're beginning to use to streamline all of our communication so that you can know when I want to make a next step, where do I go? Who do I talk to? Go to fcbc.life. Maybe this morning you want to trust Jesus as your Savior. Come to the Next Step area. Our volunteers will be there. We want to help you. Maybe you want to have someone pray for you. Maybe you've got questions about what you've heard. We have guest services volunteers at the Next Step area. As you turn around and walk out, you'll see the sign. What is your next step? Just go there. But if you don't want to talk to somebody, but you want to make a next step, baptism, joining a life group, volunteering to serve, listening to a sermon, Tom's sermon from last week's on there, go to fcbc.life. It's all there in the pocket and on your phone. I want to pray for you. And let's come next Sunday ready to bless the Lord, with our generosity and to bless this community. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time today. Thank you that we've been able to praise you and worship you and call out on you in prayer. Thank you that we've been reminded from your word how we are to be rich in doing good and being generous and being willing to share. And we know that when we are rich by doing good, that we are really storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future. And we discover what real life is. Real life is not about how much we have. Real life is about what we do with what we have. And thank you for Jesus, our example, who was good and who was rich in good deeds. Generosity, willing to share his love, even his life with each one of us. And it's because of his love we do what we do now.